This week, I speak to Sandra Stewart, who is a relationship transformation coach. She speaks to me about her journey from being unsatisfied with her relationships to making change within herself to be able to have wonderful relationships by using meditation and state transformation. We also hear about her Valentine's Project that is an exercise in disguise that reveals so much about the female mind and how females feel and speak about their needs. A little note about this episode. After recording this conversation, I thought a lot about the singular perspective. This conversation is between two cisgender women speaking about relationships with cisgender men. I want to acknowledge that though I feel many of the concepts are true for all people, types of relationships, and situations, we did not use language to express that. I would like to be better at navigating a more inclusive mindset with conversations like these, and I need help. I and Sandra would love to hear from listeners on how to have conversations like these and be mindful and inclusive of the LGBTQ community. I don't feel I can speak for anyone but myself, but would like to be accurate and respectful when speaking about others. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, I am here with my friend Sandra Stewart. She is the founder of Unlimited.love, and she is a transformational coach. Sandra, thank you so much for joining me. I am really excited for people to hear your story and the really unique service that you offer to people. So thanks for coming on. And thank you. You know, I, I was thinking about you this weekend as, as I was thinking that we were going to be having this call. And you're providing such a great thing for everybody. And the way that I was really thinking about this weekend is I was in this game. It was one of those escape room games. I don't know if you've ever played that. I haven't. Oh my God, it's so fun. So you put a whole bunch of people, and for us, there were five of us, into a room and you have to solve all these puzzles in order to figure out how to escape from the room. And you have an, uh, an hour to do it. And it's it's really crazy and really, really fun. If you haven't done it, you should try it. Um, <laughs> I, I had a great time. But what I realized and the takeaway that, that we all had from it was, wow, we would not have been able to escape from this room if it had been any one of us individually. Hmm. Yeah, it was like the fact that we were all together and each bringing our own viewpoint to a problem Mm -hmm. that allowed us to, in 45 minutes, I'm proud to say. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a record or is that a good time? It was good. You have an hour to escape. Okay. So we, we, we did it in 45 minutes with no hints. Okay. Um, and, but the, the winners were like, you know, 23 minutes. Oh, wow. But it was, yeah, I know. I know. I don't know how they did it. Maybe they've done it before. It was our very first time. And, um, and, and we, all, we kind of all walked away going, wow, it's really the different approaches and different ways everybody thought that allowed us to solve some of these puzzles. Like I could solve certain puzzles that had to do with math. And then there were certain puzzles that had to do with visualization that other people could solve. And, and really, no, that's what, what our takeaway was. It was like the collective intelligence of the group allowed us to do something that we couldn't do ourselves. And you're kind of bringing that a, a collective intelligence to everybody by you know, by bringing like, oh, how about this? How about that? How about this to to people? I, I so appreciate that you're doing this. Oh, thank you. And I love that viewpoint on it. That's exactly what I want to do. I want everyone to see all the things that can help fill our wellness glass and see how many different little, you know, just like a glass is sort of filled with many drops of water and can be from many sources. That's exactly what I want to show. So thank you for that viewpoint. <laughs> Thank you. And and yes, I, I am the founder of unlimited.love, which is unlmtd.love, kind of getting rid of the eyes in there, which is actually kind of cool now that I think about it. And, and <laughs> the, the, the way I kind of described to you of saying, well, I, I, you know, I'm not quite sure, I guess, transformational coach, there's, there's a couple pieces to it. One that I want to go into a little bit more, which is this idea of transformation. And then the other point, though, is coach. I don't, you know, I internally, I have to admit, 
I think of myself as a Sherpa. You know, those those people, it's like, you know, those people that like, you know, take the mountain climbers up the mountain and make sure that, you know, the camp's ready and all that. Cause it's, you know, it's about individual journeys for other people. And I, I don't claim to, to know it all. I just know my path. I know how I got to where I am and I'd love to share kind of how I got there with as many people as possible that kind of want to go down that path, but it's not the only path and, and it's, it's not necessarily for everybody. Okay. But that's, (laughs) it's just kind of where I've been. Okay. And it's, and it's in the idea of, of relationship and transforming. Okay. Relationship. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to be a transformational maybe relationship Sherpa? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it started with my own transformation. Okay. It started with, you know, my, my my history isn't, it's maybe not uncommon, but not necessarily one to, to hold up as a, an initial, wow, look how great my life has been. I was in a a number of long-term relationships that uh, they, they weren't, they weren't very satisfying. They weren't, they weren't what I'd hoped for. They, they, they weren't what I felt like you could have. And my solution was really kind of always changing, changing the person. Hmm. You know, so yeah, it's kind of like, you know, getting what you think is a prince and then kissing him and turning him into a frog, kind of the ah, backwards. Okay. <laughs> It's like backwards from from the fairy tale. And it was always about, well, what do I do? You know, how do I fix this? What is it that I can change about the relationship or I can change about the person or actually just change the person altogether to make, to get a good relationship, to have what you think is possible? You know, and, I, and actually, I, I really kind of felt like, after about, say, almost 30 years of that, that I started to get discouraged. After 30 years, you started to get discouraged that you're pretty persistent. <laughs> I'm, I'm optimistic. <laughs> 30, 30 years and three different long-term partners. But what, what had happened for me, the turning point, the, the turning point for me wasn't, wasn't a course, wasn't a book, wasn't some speaker I went to listen to. And it was... Actually, a woman I'd met in business. I, I always did really, really well in business. My background is in um, consulting. I worked with startups as an interim executive, um, usually uh, with VC-backed companies. So I'd be a CEO, CFO, president on an interim basis while they were raising money or trying to get a new team in place. So I, that was always good. But it was through one of these business connections that I had that I met this woman. Actually, we didn't get along so well in the beginning, but we, we ended up one night and I, uh, over dinner, and she was one of the rare woman, women that I, I worked with in, in business. And after a drink or so, I broke down. I started crying. And I, I told her kind of what had really been happening. And it was with my last relationship. And it was really interesting because unlike a lot of my girlfriends and unlike my family, she didn't say, oh, I can't believe this, you know, I can't, this bad person. I can't believe, you know, what he's doing to you. And, you know, he's such a creep and whatever it is that my friends would come to my defense. She turned to me and I'm going, you know, he did this and he did that and he did this and he did that. And she turned to me and she said, well, what are you getting out of it? And it's like I almost stopped mid sob and looked up at her and like, what do I get out of it? And that's kind of what started this, what would be an internal journey. Hmm. Did she mean, what are you getting out of sort of the drama of his actions or the, you know, issues in the relationship? What needs that was feeding? Yeah. What, or what, yeah, what I was getting out of the relationship, what I was getting out of the drama, what I was getting out of being a victim, what I was getting, Hmm. what I was getting out of being in that state. Hmm. And, it it was really fun. it was really funny because I I never had and maybe it's you know speaks to the people around me but I never had anybody ask me that question and it really made me start looking inward 
And ever since that, this was about four years ago, I think she asked me that question and I went on a real hunt. You know, what am I getting out of that? And, you know, other people in transformational teachers kind of help because they give you the clues in where to look. They can't look for you, but they give you kind of the clues. So it's like, okay, well, you know, what is it about me as a woman? What is it about me as my relationship to myself? And all these great things took me on all these great journeys and and led me to where we are today. Okay. I wanted to ask you, because this is my Valentine's special, I wanted to ask you about your Valentine's project that you have going on. Yes. And thank you so much. I, Cause we started talking about this because you were one of my early interviewees. Yes. Um, in, you know, in addition to the work that I'm doing with one world Academy and I, I spent the last year getting certified with them is I'm working with a woman called Allison Armstrong. Um, and she was, she's also a transformational, um, leader in relationships out there right now and her work and her uh, way of looking at and bringing attention to aspects of relationships was so, 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 so helpful with me also. And I'm so excited. I'm going to be spending the next year working with her. But one of the things that she has, that she says is, and I, I tested this at a meeting one night that I was, I was with a whole bunch of men and, um, her, her thinking is that Valentine's Day is like so awful for men because they just don't really know what women want. And and I was in, the, in this, this group and I said, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing with, with Alison Armstrong for the next year. And, you know, the, the topics I'm going to be working with are empowering women and what women want. And and like you guys, you know, we'll, you know, I know Valentine's Day is coming up. Is that really something that you guys you know, I don't really know. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, and me and my, and my, um, naivete is like, well, I'll just go ask women and I'll come back and I'll report to you. <sighs> and that stuff. Yeah. That started such a fascinating journey for me. So I, I spoke with you early on about it and it's just gotten more and more and more fascinating. So right now I've probably interviewed uh, about 40 to 50 women with one question and a couple add-on questions. And the question is, if you could have Valentine's Day all your way, what would that look like? And the couple things that have come out of that question that have just blown me away. One is that uh, there really is no one answer. It's just all over the board. It's everywhere from, you know, I have to have a Valentine's Day card to I better not have a Valentine's Day card. Um, and no, really, it's, it's complete too. I want to go for a super expensive dinner to I want to go to a really inexpensive dinner to I don't want to go out at all. I, I'd rather do lunch. Um, and, you know, or, or with mothers, I want my kids included. I want to have this be something for the whole family to I want my children as far away as possible. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's, it's like, I'm like, oh, my God, these poor men. No wonder why it's so difficult. The, with that question, the only thing that was somewhat similar was how difficult it was for women to really say what they want. Hmm. Because it would start off, I'd say something like, so if you could have it all your way, what would it be like for you for Valentine's Day? And I, a, a good person, I haven't tallied everything yet because I'm still working, working on my last few. You're getting the preview. Um, and, but it would be something along the lines of, well, I just want, you know, to go here. And you could kind of see it was like in their expressions that they're settling. And, I, and I'd say, no, no, no. If you could, if, doesn't mean it's got to happen. If you could have it all your way, what would it be like? And then they'd paint this amazing picture of what the whole day would be like. And their faces would brighten up and they'd get excited. And, and about halfway through them answering the question about having it all their way, I'd get excited. I'd be like, oh, I want this for you. I so want this for you. So in that part, there was very, very little consistency. Why do you think that is? Why do you think women are so hesitant to really say what they want? And in this first part of the question, I, I, I think it's, you know, 
I, I, it's something I'm going to be researching more over the next year. But I, I believe it's women really have almost a biological imperative to please. Hmm. You know, to be to be that force in a family that keeps it together, to moderate the, you know, tempers or the uh, uh, needs of others. I, I, I really do believe there's something about with all of this, that there's something with instinct that because you, you, I saw it so much, and I, and I see it in myself, so it's not like I'm saying, oh, it's everybody else. And I, I don't think, I, I've got to believe there's a reason for it, you know? So it's like it make, it's got to be, a, there's got to be some reason for it to be there. It's got to make sense. And I kind of feel like, you know, we're kind of the glue that holds families together, you know? So we're trying to make everybody happy to make it all fit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just my, that's just my thinking right mm-hmm. now. I'll tell you more if I change my opinion. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, that's what I'm going with. Um, but it's there. I mean, and, and again, this is one of those things where you start looking, well, why? It's interesting. It's an interesting discussion, but it's definitely there. I, I don't know. If, you know, I don't. I know I've, I've felt it in myself and I hear it from other women. And I think other women might be able to look at their own self and go, hey, do I? Am I trying to please people? And just the fact that it is, is something, okay, great. Yay, now we're aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. That's my thinking. Like, let's okay, great, we're aware of it. Now we can decide. You can't make decisions about something you're not aware of. So we're trying to give more choice to, to women by saying, you know, yeah, you can go ahead and try and please. But if you're aware that you're kind of obsessively trying to please, you could also then decide to not please, you know, to make other decisions. Okay. Wait, so I want to, sorry, I just want to pull this in because I see such a powerful connection with the Me Too movement. I have many feelings about that movement, but one thing that troubles me or concerns me, or maybe that's not the right word, it's something that I want to change maybe, is that I feel like a lot of women have found themselves in situations where they literally did not have the muscle memory of being able to speak their truth or what they feel in a moment. So maybe a man was inappropriate. The woman did not say that they were uncomfortable, and so maybe the man continued. The woman felt uncomfortable but did not have, I don't want to say the ability, but maybe the practice to speak up Mm -hmm. and say, this is my feeling in this moment. This is not okay. And so the man, not as an excuse, but the man got the signal, oh, this is okay. I'm not getting a signal that says it's not okay. So I want to sort of dissect or, you know, what what you said is, is this women have this inner instinct to please. So I'm wondering if a part of this is that women's inner instinct to please conflicts with the situations that society has put us in. I know this is sort of a tangent, but I'm just wondering what you're thinking with your your concentration on awareness of how we're feeling and, and that type of thing, what you think about that. Oh, yeah. Well, if, even just going back to this one question about Valentine's Day, I mean, I'm feeling like this question and some of the add-on questions, which I'll tell you more about too, is like a mirror of everything that goes on with women and relationships. So absolutely, I I think that, you know, we're trying to please and without kind of the, like you say, I love the way you said that, the practice, it can come out as either being too wimpy or too aggressive. Right. Right. As opposed to, I believe, uh, I guess is another question I should ask other women. It's like there's there's times when you do feel confident and you do feel like, you know, somebody says something and you just say, you know, oh, hey, could you could you please not do that? Which is the, the appropriate amount of force a lot of times. Right. You know, hey, don't do that. It, you know, if you can say it in a not hostile, combative way, but where you know, you know, like when you say to your kids, you know, you better not do that again. Communication. <laughs> right? You love them. Right. You love them. You're not, you're not trying to say they're bad people, but they, they're not going to do it again because you said it in the tone of, of a mother, which, you know, again, I think we're, 
you know, there's some biological um, memory to yes. um, that, that allows us to be able to say that. So I don't think, I think it's in those particular situations where I love how you said it. We just don't have the, we don't have the practice. And if we've said it too harshly, then it might come back and not have the result we want. And if we don't say it strong enough, it might come back and not have the result we want. Yes. And now we're like, well, what, you know, what do we do? Right. We're, you know, it's then it becomes about them. Everything with transformation is about you. Yes. So that is my topic, I guess, that I want to speak about is that not to use it as an excuse, but that I can see how in some situations men are getting mixed signals. Oh, yeah. And just to, to let me further my Valentine's Day conversation, because it it has some more clues in there. Okay. So w- one of the things then, there there was one commonality, which was my next question. And it was, you know, whatever it was that the, the woman would want as her ideal Valentine's, what does that provide for you? And that was pretty consistent. It was pretty much connection, appreciation, attention, you know, all sort of in that same vein, nothing like that were opposites, nothing like I must have a Valentine's Day card versus I must not have a Valentine's Day card. It was all all in that same, I want to be noticed, I want to be appreciated, I want to be thought of, I want somebody to spend some time. And, and what was interesting then was how, how it could be that somebody who didn't want a Valentine's Day card looked at that the same way as somebody who wanted one. And so I started asking some questions about, yeah, I started asking questions about that. And so let me kind of tell you how it works. So somebody who doesn't want a Valentine's Day card says, you know, I don't want a Valentine's Day card because, you know, I want I want my husband, my boyfriend, my partner, I want I want him to do something that makes me feel special. You know that he thought of me. You know he appreciates me and if he goes and he gets a Valentine's Day card then that's just like what everybody else gets. You know it's not special for me. It doesn't say okay. And then you talk to the one who wants the Valentine's Day card and she says, "Well, you know, I I I know that when he goes and he takes the time out to go to a store and he looks through and he picks out a card just for me, that that means he's thinking of me. It's the same thing. Yes. It's just a different expression. And what was so funny is I was, I, I was telling a woman about this. I said, you know, some, some, some women want cards and they couldn't believe it. It was, it was like, how could someone want a card? So, you know, we get into this idea of looking at, the expression of, a, of an ideal can be so different for so many people. And to really be able to appreciate that in other women and other people. Yes. You know, it's like we all want this love connection, but how, how that expresses itself can be, you know, wildly different. And then the next question, and this is where it ties back into the whole um, Me Too, is I said, well, how would you know, how would your husband, partner, boyfriend know that this is what you want? Well, this is, this fell into about five categories. Okay. One would be, well, he should know. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's where most women come from. Yeah. We all think think they should be mind readers. They should just know what I want. Don't they get the clues that are all around them? From society that I have tuned in with and maybe not necessarily said that I am in tuned with. Right. And that, so think about So here we are. There, every single woman is completely different in what she wants. And we think you should know if he paid closer attention. Yes. So that's, I mean, apply that to, you know, apply that to me too. Like, well, he should just know. That that was inappropriate. Yes. He should just know. Everybody knows. Everybody should know that. Right. So that's one. The other is, well, he should know because that's what I do for him. Uh Uh-huh. So if I get him a card, that means that he should get me a card. 
And if I write him a letter, that means that he should write me a letter, which is also really, really difficult. That, that's at least not mind reading, but you can see where that can get somebody into trouble. Well, if, especially with men and women, because we are kind of the opposite sex. So how I treat you may be actually the opposite of how I would want to be treated. This sort of plays into the five love languages. Have you read that book? Yeah, I have. Yeah. About how, you know, for some people it's touch or for some people it's uh, Mm -hmm. admiration or or words Mm -hmm. of admiration and that type of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But that you have to express that. Right. You have to know. So just because I'm somebody who likes touch, I'm touching you because I want to be touched. Is it because am I touching you because I know you like to be touched or am I touching you because... I want you to touch me. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. And then, and then there's the, I'm going to tell somebody else to tell you. That was one. And my mother oh. was the first one who said that. Yes. She said, I said, well, how, how would Bob know about this? And, and she said, well, can, can you tell him? And I thought, oh my God, this is so weird. My mother's just so weird. But then I started having other women say the same thing. They'd say, well, you know, I tell my daughter or I tell my girlfriend and then they go and tell them. Right. <laughs> so where does that come from? Is that from, because I, I can see maybe my younger self thinking that of like, well, it would be really rude if I just came out and told them that this is what I wanted. You know, that's rude. So I'm not going to be rude. I'm going to just find a way to help him out to find the way. <laughs> kind of like little clues. (laughs) I'll leave them breadcrumbs. I never have my daughter leave breadcrumbs. There is a little bit of a a sense that I got from from talking to the women that it somehow ruins the specialness of it if, if you have to say it directly because part of it is a wanting to be paid attention to and be noticed. So that's where it's like, well, if you were noticing me, then you would know that this is what I want. But that is just men aren't set up that way. I, I was on um, New Year's Eve. I was at a party. So oh, that was great, great fodder for my uh, questioning. I spent most of the night uh, talking to the women at these party, this party. And it just so happened that there was one or two guys that were like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you talking? And so when I, when I was explaining my project, the, this one guy, he's like, just tell us, like hit us over the head with a brick, you know, a brick or a, a bat. We just, just tell us so clearly and then we can make you happy. He was, he was like in pain. I, I, and after having talked to probably about that time, I'd talked to maybe 30 women. I could feel his pain. So, so I mean, if, if there's anything I could say to women, it's like, help the guys out. Just tell them what you want. And I think that's, that's one lesson that I've, that I've learned over the past few years. And you've reiterated to me in our conversations and over the past year is that Men actually do want to please you. It makes them feel good to please you. And they would do almost anything to please you. They just don't know what you want. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, that to me is part of the transformation that I went through is I fundamentally transformed my relationship to men as a whole and you know, I look at, and this, this is the beauty of all of this, of all of this transformational work is when you change, the people around you change. What's been the biggest difference that you're able to communicate better or that you understand men more? It's how I look at them. It's a transformation in just my approach. I, I, it's nothing I do. The doingness, the, the actions that I take come out of the shift that I've had in my perspective. Mm-hmm. It's not like I communicate better, but I do, but I communicate better because I've had this shift rather than, you know, and that's the, that's the beauty of just going back to where we started this whole conversation, which is what is transformation. You know, to me, it's difficult to, have a the similar state. Like, let's say you're in a state of fear towards men, and somebody tells you, 
Well, the way to, to have better relationships with men is to communicate more, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever the tips might be. There's so many tips and hints out there, you know, to, to communicate more in a, in a language that they understand, you know, more about focused and you know, whatever, communicate, communicate more like a man might communicate. Mm -hmm. But if you're fundamentally afraid of them, you're just putting on an act of trying to communicate with them. So anything that you're doing, if you haven't shifted your approach or your feelings or the state you're in as you're relating to somebody, they're just going to be band-aids. Interesting. And do you know from the male perspective, if there are any men listening, <laughs> what they could do to maybe, you know, the reverse, uh, to understand women better or how they could help a woman to not feel intimidated to communicate or say what they need? Yeah. And I, you know, I'm thinking that'll be next Valentine's day okay. is to talk to the men, but I, I've been trying to come up with the, you know, short term without actually researching that topic, how I might tell a man right now, if he said, Hey, you know, you've been talking to all these women and what can I do? Because it probably doesn't work for them to just say, Hey, what do you want? It's, it's kind of no. like when a man will say to a woman, so where do you want to go for right. dinner? And they say, Oh, wherever you want is fine with me. <laughs> they hate that. So I'm thinking that a better approach for them might be something along the lines of, so it's Valentine's Day and I want to make you feel special and I want to make you feel appreciated and paid attention to because those are the things that, that I'm sure about. That's what women want. And it's not even just for Valentine's Day. That's just kind of what we want in relationships. But on this particular day, I want to make you feel special and paid attention to. And like, it's your day. And what are the things that make you feel special? And what are the things that make you feel paid attention to? And, and I think that would get a fuller answer than trying to approach it directly. It would certainly get someone's attention. Yeah. If my husband came and said that to me, I, which in the past couple of years, he has started saying very similar things. It certainly gets your attention and says, <laughs> oh, okay, this is different. <laughs> and I've often had to say, uh, I have no idea because no one has ever asked me that. And I've, I've had to say, I'll get back to you. I need to go think about it mm -hmm. <laughs> because often mm -hmm. you don't know, you know, just off just in that moment. You have to think about it. I think mostly because women don't think about themselves in that way. Yes. No, women don't think about themselves. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. We're thinking about others. And I, I think we're thinking about others. And then we're thinking that if we're making other people happy, that will make us happy. So we're looking at those external factors that are going to bring us the joy and happiness that we really want, but it's not out there. It's inside and having that shift in the relationship with yourself and who's really responsible for, you know, setting you up to be happy then allows you to go out and do those wonderful things in the world that you want to with your family, your friends, society. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's it, too many times. I think we look at it backwards. Like, well, I, when my kids are, my mother said this to me, you know, my, when I know that when my kids are happy, then I'll be happy. Mm. But, but wait a second, mom, if you had been a happier mom, then what would that have done to the relationship? Mm -hmm. But you're, I think you're right in what you mentioned earlier in the awareness of just saying, okay, so what is the lesson here? And then maybe that helps the situation to be better. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe, uh, you know, for people who aren't looking for like that there is, there has to be a lesson just to look at what is, you know, it doesn't even have to be mystical. It's like, okay, it's what it is. It's like, I'm feeling this way. And, and does it, is it serving, is it serving me to hold on to this thing that happened three years ago? Mm -hmm. Is this the same person that, you know, our cells rejuvenate, what, every 90 days or something? There's some ridiculously short amount of time that all our cells in our body, for seven, I think seven years, everything regenerates. And your skin cells, 
you know, every 90 days. I, I always say when I haven't seen Richard in a while, it's like, how many cells haven't I met? <laughs> um, right? <laughs> it's like a whole new you or at least 30% new you. Yeah, that's very interesting. So let's see if we can um, have a takeaway for both Valentine's Day and in general, we need to have awareness, be present in the moment and just sort of be with the moment of the me and the you of the relationship and communicate what we really want. Would you say that those would be the takeaways? Yes, I think I think that is the knowledge that would be taken out of this, mm -hmm. but pulling in the wisdom then to really I'm sorry, pulling in the experience. So pulling in the experience to really have the wisdom. So like where, yeah, like where I don't, I would love anybody listening to this to look inside themselves to see where whichever, you know, topic was interesting, where this has happened to them, where they've seen it, they've experienced it's happened to them, it's happened to other people and really look at it and really kind of put it together to make it yourself. Or to, you know, to own it yourself, because otherwise it's just yet another piece of information. And I, I know for myself, I'm a voracious reader. I, I was reading at the pace of like two, two books a week at least. And I was accumulating a knowledge and accumulating knowledge. But if you don't take it inside and really do the hard work of looking at those things that are not necessarily pretty, it doesn't change. You don't change. So you need to sit with yourself. Yeah. Right. And but in a in a gentle way. And that's why I say, you know, smiling or, or just taking a, a yay, I looked and I looked and I saw that that was stupid. <laughs> whatever you know, whatever it is in a non like not non judgmental way. Just non judgmental way. Like it did right. It it didn't get me the result I wanted. Wow, yay. I looked at it because that enthusiasm gives you really kind of is giving you a chemical bath in your brain that's going to make you want to go look for more. Ah. Every time you look at something and you're like, oh, God, I can't believe I did that, then, then that makes you not want to look there again because that's an uncomfortable feeling. When if you look at something and you go, oh, God, yeah, isn't that awesome? Then I saw it. Uh -huh. Isn't it awesome? I noticed it. Isn't it awesome that I'm, I'm aware of that? Isn't it? And that's what's going to give you the ability to keep looking and keep going deeper. And it, that's the way to transform, at least in my opinion. And what do you think was the most helpful in this journey that you went on to look inside yourself? What was the point where you said, oh, that's what it is. And this is what I need to work on. I I think that's a great question. I think it was the idea that it's not something that you do. You know, too many times, whether it's about relationships or about um, relieving stress or being confident, and you go and you look at, because I've done it, because I, I started counting one time. Like you go and you go, okay, how to, how to improve my relationship? And you Google it or you read a book. And it'll give you all these things to do, actions, like, you know, go out on date night or, um, you know, make sure that, um, you know, you set aside uh, a certain amount of time every week to talk about issues or have eye contact when you're talking. But all these things that are more about doing something in the external world rather than changing how you're approaching something, rather than changing what state you're in. Mm. So for example, with me, I would, I would be approaching relationships from a, after I would be, be in them for a while of, of, oh, I'm so unhappy. And if only you would change, then that would make things better. Or, you know, oh, I'm so miserable. So I need to have a different partner in order to be happy. Or if only I had, you know, changed my work schedule so that I wasn't working so much, then that would have been a difference. But it, for me, and this is kind of where that whole Sherpa thing comes in. For me, what it was, was just looking at, at my state. 
And when, when I looked inside myself and I started seeing, am I being optimistic? I don't know if the word's optimistic. It, it, am I bringing my best self to this relationship? Am I bringing my most patient self to this relationship? Am I bringing my most understanding self? Am I, you know, all these things that you are being and looking at yourself changes how you approach another person. So it would be like uh, uh, going on date night, but you're angry and you're upset and you're still pissed off about something that happened four years ago. Date night isn't going to help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Right. Right. So it for me, it was just this idea of, wow, I can look internally. And if I make a change, it's going to change the relationship. And I've had, oh, my God, I've had so many crazy experiences. Like my my relationship with my my former partner that I was with about 10 years. Um, we were in Vietnam together. We still run a nonprofit. And also with my ex-husband. They're phenomenal now. I have these amazing relationships with these two guys that, you know, if you would talk to me, you know, four years ago, I would go, no. And now I'm like, yeah, they're great guys. Aha. Uh -huh. And it can have, that's what the, the funny thing was for me that I saw is, is a relationship can change in an instant. Because a relationship, sometimes people think of, oh, the relationship it carries, you know, all these years and and baggage and all these things that we've been through together and things that he did and things that I did and things that we did. But if you look at just the definition of a of relationship, it's how you're relating. And that can only be in the present. And so if you change it, it can, it's, it can happen almost instantaneously. And I personally experienced this. I, I saw this happen with my, my former partner. And I had done some work in India with an organization called One World Academy, and I got an email from him, which was kind of the same sort of email that he might have sent me in the past of complaining, and, you know, you did this, and you did that. And, but I looked at that email, and I had a new appreciation for what was going on. It's like, he's just trying to change me with all his complaining, and I was just trying to change him with all my crying. And we we're kind of doing the same thing. Well, let me say, we were, trying to, we were trying to accomplish the same thing just using different methods. And when I looked at it, it, like, it made me laugh. And I, I wrote back to him and in a way that was, well, had no upset. And we have laughed more together and had a better time than even when we were dating. Wow. And you're still working together on this organization now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we were just on the phone this morning. We, I, <laughs> How has it changed your work relationship? Oh, my God. So here, let me give you an example from this morning. So one of the projects that I had done, we had done together a long time ago, was on our website. And I kind of managed the project and brought in a team to do put together the organization's website. And, oh, it just, it was typical of how, it was like typical of everything that was in the relationship. And... I felt like I'd worked months and months trying to get something together. And, and he was so critical of it. And he's, you, you know, said, you know, I can't believe you did this. And, you know, it's all shit. And, and at the time, I felt like so sick, like just sick to my stomach, sick in my whole body. And it was uh, so now I'm, we're looking at redoing the, the website again. And I was I was like, well, you know, I've been working on websites. I'm kind of in that mode and maybe I could take it over. And my thought was, oh, my God, remember what it was like last time. And as soon as I realized that it was bringing up a little bit of this, oh, remember what happened last time and you got sick and he said this and you, you know, and then you said that and he said this and then you ended up in this. And, and when I when I saw myself going into that and acting as though that was how it was going to happen again, which there's no way it was going to happen again because everything has totally changed in the last, I guess I did that seven years ago. I, I was able to go, well, yeah, of course I can do that. Hmm. And whereas in the past, if I had never, if I wasn't, didn't have that self-awareness, I would go, oh my God, it, it happened oh, it so awful last time. And I'll never let that happen again because it was so horrible. And so of course I can't do it, which would hurt the organization. Uh-huh. 
Right. And so now I'm able to make decisions that help everybody. It makes it helps the organization. It helps me. It helps him. You know, it's, it's living to me. It's, it's really been living in the present. Living in the present. So you're not bringing all that baggage with you. Is that a part of it? Yeah, because the baggage doesn't even exist. Aha. Uh-huh. It's not even there. There's no, it's like this pretend baggage. It's, uh, it's, it's gone. It's past. It That's happened the story. seven years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all seven a story. Seven years ago. There, even that, there's no new story. It's just, there is no story. It's like, it's gone. He's a different person seven years ago. I'm a different person seven years ago. You know, and, and, and that's the thing that's been so useful for me with current relationships. I've, I have an amazing, amazing relationship with an amazing man. But it's always in the present. So who he was yesterday isn't who he is today. Can you give a little tip for how mm. someone might do that? Any small thing that you can give away for us to help people let go of what was yesterday and be with today? Well, the one thing that makes it a little bit difficult is it's not an intellectual exercise with a tip. Okay. That's the problem. Because, you know, you read, you, you read all these books and you read all these articles and you go, well, yeah, of course, you have to let go of yesterday. And you get it intellectually but that doesn't change your state. That's a, so that's the thing where it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of work that has to go into it because I can say yeah you know just let go of yesterday and realize that it's you know that these feelings are are just feelings that you're creating yourself inside your own body and you need to let go of them and, and you can look at it and go oh yeah that's right but then as soon as you get triggered it happens again and right. you know it's it's not a fundamental transformation okay. and that's the thing that you know, would be different from, say, like, um, like a life coach, where, you know, is there giving you tips and hints, and why don't you try this, and why don't you try that, whereas when you're looking at transformational coaching, or Sherpa-ing, as the case may be, mm-hmm. it's about how do you actually change your, your habits in a way, and it takes about eight weeks or so to change an internal reaction. So it's, it's an awareness process and there's, there's ways to do it. It's used, we're, the, the methods that I'm using with um, unlimited.love is using what One World Academy has taught. And they use a very, very interesting approach because they're taking ancient Indian meditative technology, which it really is a technology, and they're bringing it forward using science. And if I were to try and summarize this, along with some of the current science that's been uh, testing different types of meditation and mindfulness is we're using two very specific things, or really three things. One has to do with breath. When you're breathing, it's actually doing so many things to your physiology, as well as to your mind, your brain, your emotions. And it's, you can Google it. It's, it's fun. There's so many studies being done. But there's also, so there's a lot of breath work. There's also something where if you are able to catch yourself in stress, in acute stress, for, so like that moment when you're getting triggered and notice it without beating yourself up, you're actually able to start breaking the pattern or the habit or it's you're actually in the past have created this neural pathway that's making you do it over and over again and you're able to start breaking that neural pathway by just breathing noticing it and then another step is a lot of times that the technology techniques that we use involve smiling at it because when you're smiling you're you're creating a neuroplasticity in your cells so it's, it's, okay. it's, what's allowed, it's, it's allowing you to like rewire your brain. After about eight weeks of really watching your own behavior and doing this, it kind of just dissolves. There's no fighting involved. It's just a dissolving. You just are different. You respond you just, differently. Yeah. Yes, you, you rewire your brain. And it's, it's not like you can't, it's, it's not like this idea of rewiring your brain is not all over and it's been so studied right now. It's true. 
what what um, One World Academy does is they work with how do you do it really quickly. So would you say if someone is having an argument with their partner or a discussion where they are getting agitated, would you suggest to them to say in their head, oh, I'm getting agitated, then would you suggest to them to analyze internally why am I getting agitated and then just smile? Would that help? (laughs) Or... I could just see people having arguments and then the other partner smiling at them and it turning into a different situation. Right, right, right. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it right then. And there's, there was one piece you said that I wouldn't do, which is ask why. Okay. What I would do is say, okay, I'm in an argument. I know I'm getting trigger, triggered. I need to get away. It, it's, it's a process that takes not even minutes to do. So it's like, okay, you, everybody can leave an argument, even if you say, oh, excuse me, I've, I've, I have to run to the bathroom. Whatever it is, just get away. Okay. Breathe. Breathing is what's going to ground you. And there's certain types of breathing that, um, that'll help, which you know, we don't have time to get in today. But then look at how you're feeling. Look at what you're thinking. Not figure out why. Why is a rabbit hole? Okay. You know, it's like so many times I think what happens, and I know I've done that and and still do it, is that you can get in this trap of, well, why did that happen? You know, well, oh, it's this. But if you really, really look at it, let's let's pick anything. Let's pick, um, you know, why did, um, let me see what's happened. What's something that's happened recently? Why was I late getting um, all of my preparations for my website done? And you can go, well, the reason I was late was, this. But it's never this. It's a thousand things. It's not that, well, I didn't have a priority. Well, no, you didn't have a priority because something else came up. Or, you know, your mother taught you to make sure that you always went and visited with relatives and, you know, ahead of doing any websites. (laughs) I know it's, I know it sounds kind of random the way I'm saying it, but there's every, every time you're asking why, there's so many things. There's never just one thing. So I would never start asking why. I would look at what my thoughts are. I would look at what it, the feelings are and observe them and be aware. But to go down the rabbit hole of why could put you in therapy for the rest of your life. Okay. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. <laughs> so but anyway, so go away. Look okay. at your, you know, breathe. You know, be aware of your breath, be aware of your thoughts, be aware of your uh, emotions, be aware of, you know, what it's bringing up. And yeah, smile at it, you know, and take it as a win. Too many times when um, one of the reasons people don't use mindfulness and meditation is, is, is they'll look at something and they'll see it and they'll go, oh, darn, I can't believe I did that. Oh, man, I can't believe I did that. But if you take a look at whatever it is that you see that you become aware of and go, yeah, wow, I see how I'm being selfish. Wow, that's great. I learned I learned something new about myself. Isn't that awesome? Then you'll keep looking. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So almost turn it all into a positive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Well, because when you're looking at something, look, if you're looking at something, and you're going, wow, this is great. That is relaxing you. That is opening your mind to new possibilities and new ways of being. If you look at something and you're angry, it's a focus. It means that you're like collapsing your options. You're collapsing the way that you're going to approach a problem. Interesting. You can look at every argument as an opportunity for growth, almost, for yourself and your relationship. Exactly. Exactly. And it it takes a while to kind of get into the groove of it. Yes. Um. (laughs) Do you suggest speaking to your partner about what you're doing when you're doing it? Or can you do it alone without talking to them first? You know, it's in the moment. That's one of those things where it's so hard for somebody to to say to to tell someone else what to do. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's like That's it's the very guy true. sitting there 
Right. He's sitting there. He's got like, you know, flames coming out of his eyes and, you know, smoke out of his ears. Maybe isn't the time to have a philosophical discussion about the importance of um, (laughs) self-awareness. For sure. So, well, that was an interesting lesson. Can you say or or tell a little bit how you went from One World Academy to then, I guess, experiencing a better life for yourself to deciding that you wanted to help others? Well, I wanted to help others from the very day that I had any experience with One World Academy. A friend of mine had been putting on um, an event in in New York, and he kept saying, oh, you know, you need to come. This is great. I'm like, no, I I want nothing to do with meditation. I'd, uh, I'm using the little air quotes. I tried meditation, and I sucked at it. So I didn't want to have anything to do with it again. There's no way I was going to sit still for three days and I can't sit cross-legged. So just count me out. And he kept pushing me and he kept pushing me and I won. So I didn't go. Okay. Um, and then, and then to, to his credit, it was like, I don't know, maybe a month later, they were having a karaoke meditation party. And, ah. um, I, yes, I, I went for the karaoke. I, um, was, had to go through the meditation first. They, they were doing this, a uh, monk from, um, or a faculty member from India dialed in to lead a meditation. And it started with a wisdom that talked about the connectedness that we all have and how a plant is exhaling oxygen. And we inhale that oxygen and then we exhale carbon dioxide and the plant is inhaling. I mean, I'm using these terms loosely, inhaling that carbon dioxide and how just in order to be in the room you're in, all the people's lives that were dedicated to the, you know, learning how to do architecture, building materials, um, the people that were the parents of the people that came up with this beautiful building that you're now in. I mean, it was. It was really mind-blowing. And then we did a meditation. And it was short. It was like nothing painful. And it got me to a space where I was, I'd never felt like that before. And all I wanted to do was share it. I I remember calling up one of my friends the next morning saying, you have to come over early for this party because I want to see if I can pour into you this feeling. Because it's, it's, it's a state and, you know, I've, I had him come over and it, it didn't work. He was like, you're weird and go away. Um, so I, I spent then the next couple of years trying to learn how is it that you teach this to others so they can have that, that same transformation. And then I really wanted to focus on relationships because for me, it was just so huge. It's made such a difference in my life, you know, having a relationship, having you know, having what we dreamt of when we were, you know, kids. Can you talk about that? Because you mentioned it earlier that you had sort of this idea of what the relationship should be. Can you talk about maybe your younger self when you were in the relationships that weren't going so well, what the expectation was of the relationship and how the relationship wasn't living up to that expectation? Yeah, I I, and I don't know why I would have thought this. It wasn't the experience that my parents had. But I'd always thought that, you know, you, you, could, you could marry your best friend. You know, the best friend that you'd have on the playground. And, you know, you'd laugh and you'd joke and you'd poke each other. And, you know, all, all those things that kids do when they play together. And that you could find somebody that then you could, like, live with like that for the rest of your life. And wouldn't that be so cool? Mm. You know, I, that honestly, that was that was probably my ideal. And I, I never had that until now. I, I've had that uh-huh. for the last two years. Um, you know, just being able to feel free enough with myself to be that kid again and laugh and and enjoy life and, and play and you know, and, and then for me, that's what I'm looking for. Other people may look for other things. Uh, that's me. And that's, that's that you. was my expectation. Okay. Let's see. Where were we? You wanted to help others because you want to help them have that feeling. Exactly. And I did it from the very first time I had that. And it, it just was, you know, what it took for me to actually feel like, 
okay, great. Now I know how to guide another person through the same process. That's so interesting. Well, I have been to your Monday night meditations, which which have been really lovely, and they are sort of a mini version about, or or an exact version about what you're talking about. There's a wisdom, and then there's a meditation, and then there's dinner after, which is which I I find the most sort of enriching because you know even if the meditation was only ten minutes, we spend two hours talking about this ten minute meditation or ten minute wisdom. Um, and then you get so much out of that because each person sees a different perspective of what you were talking about. And each person has a different experience of the meditation, which then, if they share it, adds to your experience. But now you are doing something with relationships that a not one day, it's a Wednesday night call. And I haven't had the experience of doing that. So could you explain what you do with that? Yeah. So what what I um, just recently started is an uh, online call, which it mirrors somewhat what you've experienced. And it's always a wisdom, but it's a wisdom very specifically targeted to some aspect of relationships, whether it's letting go of hurt or barriers to listening or what happens as things change because Things change in relationships or, you know, how are your own expectations of a relationship playing in? Anyway, things like very practical aspects of relationships, wisdoms and a deep look inside yourself to see how that may um, have affected you in the past, may be affecting you now. And then a meditation specifically designed to address that particular aspect of relationships and then followed by um, a meditation that you're familiar with, um, the Great Soul Sync. Yes. I think adding the meditation to this relationship discussion is something unique and new. I've done relationship courses online or in person and I haven't seen meditation added to it. So can you explain what the meditation might do to help with the lesson or the wisdom part that you're teaching? Yeah. Um, well, first thing is it is kind of new and different um, in terms of meditations. It, they all come from a book called Freedom in Relationships, which was written by um, Krishnaji and Pritaji, who were founders of One World Academy. Now, the interesting thing about these two is they're uh, a married couple. Um, they're parents. They're business owners, and yet they have a really strong um, background and family background in Indian uh, spirituality. Which, if you think about it, you, you know most you know most religions and spiritual practices are are not designed about around relationships and parenting, but. Because of who they are, they've been able to bring and translate the struggles that people go through um, in life and pull that into specifically relationships. So they're really the ones who've developed all these um, meditations for relationships. Where this helps is just giving a hint of, oh, have you looked here? Because I, I know for myself and other people I've spoken with is that we may have ideas or thoughts or repetitive thoughts going on in our head that are so deeply buried, we don't even notice. You know, it's like if you've had a headache all your life, you don't notice it until it's gone. Right. So how do you get a person to notice something so that they can let go of it if they think it's, it's always been there? And that's what these meditations and these insights that are part of the call do, is you're, you're really, it's like, taking one small aspect of a relationship and really looking deeply in yourself to see if that's true and how that works and then generally letting go of it. Um, and then the meditation following that is about how to really expand your consciousness and set an intention for how you will feel in the present as that changes, if that makes any yes, sense. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And it really relates to, I mean, me as a health coach, oftentimes when I do a health history with a new client, I ask them 
a lot of detailed questions. And a lot of times someone will say, well, why do you care about that? Why are you asking about these little things? Like, that's not why I'm seeing you. But oftentimes, you know, I say, like, how often do you get a headache? How are you bloated? Are you this? Most people or many people don't consider those things to be anything to pay attention to. They just accept Mm -hmm. it as a part of life and a part of Mm -hmm. their human experience. But once we're able to break it down and we work on their health and, you know, all kinds of stuff, they go, once those issues go away, all of a sudden it's like they are woken and they say, wow, I didn't know that life could be so pleasant. Exactly. So what you're saying sounds definitely makes sense for sure. Wow. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Can you tell everyone where to find you online and elsewhere? Yes. I would love, I would love, love, love if anyone who's listening would join me on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock Eastern time. And the way you register for these webinars, it's about a 45-minute webinar, is to go to unlimited, U-N-L-M-T-D dot love. And um, you can see what the schedule is, the different topics um, that are coming up and uh, register and you'll get the information to log in each week and join us. Because I just, I really, from the moment I felt this, I just want to share. Okay. And I will put that in the show notes if anyone just wants to be able to click so they can do that. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. 